you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Welcome to Movies Trial. The podcast where we examine IMDb's top 250 movies of all time and determine whether they're truthful or not. <laughs> My name is Johannes. And I am Raji. Today we're discussing another film on this expansive list. One of Quentin Tarantino's genre-defying movies, Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards was directed by Quentin Tarantino and was released on August 21st, 2009, starring Brad Pitt, Christoph Waltz, and Diana Kruger. Before we dive into the before we dive into collecting scalps, take the stand and answer the question, what makes you happy? What makes me happy? Um, I saw some family from Germany the other day. They were here for a week. That was beautiful. Oh, nice. Um, did a cute little road trip to denver and back in the matter of what's it, six days <laughs> did you drive a, yeah we drove or, yeah okay <laughs> so it was a bit yeah. of a of a whirlwind um but also got to see my in-laws uh on the way there because they're in utah so okay. gonna stop by there and, and you know i uh, watch a football game and um that was all fun it was a good good time uh lots of miles on the road but uh, that's such a good way to understand the expansiveness of the United States. Like wow. we only made it to Colorado, but still, it took <laughs> it took three days. Uh, I think that uh, I've learned I've learned about driving in America. It's not it's fun, but it's 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 quite busy. Yeah, but uh, American roads, especially when you compare it to. To I mean I, I enjoy driving in Germany to be fair, um, I I drove from uh, from Berlin to Munich, from Munich to Cologne, from Cologne back to Berlin. So we did the whole triangle. It was pretty nice, and the driving was was pretty fun because we didn't have to worry about you know police stopping us while we were in the in the the areas where you, there was no speed limit. You know? Right, but it, it was it was it was pretty fun. So I can't say that America is unique on that front anymore, but I, you definitely feel the the length when you're yeah. in America. Yeah, and it's 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 so funny if you know if you go from from California to Salt Lake, right? You have beautiful mountains, California. Then you hit mm -hmm. Reno, and then after Reno, it's just nothing in Nevada. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> all of Nevada. There's nothing. There's wow. the occasional correctional facility. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere like the most <laughs> the, the most not notorious but i guess the most known is the one across like uh, like by love luck because that's where oj was for quite a while mm -hmm. oh shit. um oh, yeah <laughs> so it's like oh okay that's a story um mm. but then you know you you get into utah then you have the, the the salt flats and that's nothing too and it's just a straight street and then you hit the mountains and you hit salt lake and then it's great again <laughs> it's just like nevada unexciting but uh anyway what makes you happy my friend what makes me happy there's a there's a lot happening this year new films coming around i'm thinking that uh we might actually see the you know the rebirth of marvel you know lots of good good you know i mean marvel has been in a bit of a rut at the moment you know the last few films they've come up with have not have not been great yeah. Um. And honestly speaking, I'm more. I've always been more of a DC fan, but I always feel like Marvel having success was always good for everyone. So 
I think that having a reset, especially after the success of Loki, which I thought was a really good show. Yeah. Um, but I have heard a lot of people with opposing views who say people like me who like movies or shows like that put on a beret with a pipe and go, well, thank you for French cinema. This is a really good film. And of course, you know, elites, the elites like it. So I can, I can appreciate that perspective. I enjoyed it, but I know not everybody does. Um, I'm hoping that they go back to their strengths and get people back to the movies because the DC films are coming and I'm a bigger DC fan. If a Marvel doesn't work right now, I don't think the movies from DC will be successful. So I think it's there's a there's a there's a uh the symbiotic relationship between those two studios where I think for DC to succeed, there has to be some really good competition on the ground. So that's that's my take on it. Wow. That reminds me, the um <clears throat> The annual California Independent Film Festival happened, mm-hmm. um, and it's in, in my town, and it's always a wonderful time. But um, <laughs> I saw a movie, an Italian movie there, that was, uh, I think, Fantastic Four meets The Greatest Showman meets Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> <That's>, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> effectively, you have a group of four uh, misfits like circus performers um, mm-hmm. with special powers that uh, try to fight Nazis. It was it was great. It was weird. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I need to I need to figure out. Are you said this happened at your movie theater? Yeah, yeah. I need to check that out. I'll I'll find the the film now. I'll, I'll see right. if you can stream it. It was it was it was wild. <laughs> it was quite quite the trip. Um. Anyway, <laughs> on a on a similar note, without you know circus freaks, but uh, hunting Nazis, inglorious bastards. Mm. Uh, I we guess hear... before we before yeah. we go into that, let's go into the synopsis. Sounds great. Let's do that. Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards is a World War II alternate history film that weaves a gripping narrative of revenge and resistance. The film follows a group of Jewish-American soldiers led by the charismatic Lieutenant Alderain, played by Brad Pitt, on a mission to hunt and brutally kill Nazis in German-occupied France. Simultaneously, Shoshana Dreyfus, portrayed by Melanie Laurent, seeks her own revenge against the Nazis for the murder of her family. The characters' paths converge in a plot to assassinate high-ranking Nazi officials, including the notorious Colonel Hans Landa, portrayed by Christoph Waltz. Filled with Tarantino's trademark dialogue, tension, and unexpected twists, Inglorious Bastards is a cinematic tour de force that subverts expectations and delivers a thrilling alternate history take on the end of World War II. And we're back. On the farm. Drinking milk. <laughs> is it delicious milk? From, it? Straight from the udder? That's a bingo. Um... <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, let's figure out uh, who's for and against us. Let's flip a coin. I will go with heads as usual. Heads it is. All right, I'm going to go for this movie. And the witness will address this court as judge or your honor. Your honor. Inglorious Bastards is historically inaccurate 
it's totally inconsistent. Um, we have a bunch of characters there that don't have any depth at all. Uh, the violence is purely used for shock value. And it's just a bizarre piece of cinema. Um, what are we trying to do here? It's fundamentally a Western movie set in Paris or in France um, with an omnipotent Jew hunter played by Christoph Waltz uh, who's able to quickly deduct who's lying or not um, based on whatever because it's it's not really clear how he possesses that mastery. Um, we have a group of Americans led by Brad Pitt with the worst accent ever who's not really good at uh, the espionage bit of his work. Uh, <laughs> and then we have a bunch of people going to a movie theater that burns down. And uh, that happens to kill all the leading people of the of the Nazi regime because everybody's going to this random movie premiere. And uh, thus the war ends. And I think a lot of this film is kind of incoherent and doesn't make sense. And it's just kind of played up because it's, you know, like the action could be considered fun i suppose and uh yeah let's let's kill some nazis but while at face value that might be an enjoyable film it's lacking sustenance for me that's my main argument that's pretty an interesting argument I, I think i'm gonna first tackle the question about whether this movie makes sense or is coherent first of all i think this movie is, is is quite coherent, especially I've seen it I saw it twice, but then I watched it for this review. I think the movie makes a lot a, a lot of sense. And uh, if you go from scene to scene, um, you know, the very beginning, you know, the guy is looking for the Jews that the family was hiding. Uh, one of them escaped. She we meet the what do you call it? The the inglorious bastards. Um, then we meet um, her, where she is um, being wooed by a German hero. We meet, we see a love story that was never meant to be unfold. We meet the British. We meet the, who is being sent on a mission to get to the movie theater, uh, which was the end point of the third story, Right. And then the mission fails. Um, the Inglorious Bastards go in for, instead of the original set, their mission fails. Um, and then, you know, the end of the movie ensues. One of the things that I can say for sure is that, you know, the movie makes some, co there is coherence to what the movie is trying to do. But I will say that there's a lot of characters but one of the one of the great things about this film is that despite all the characters in the film, the conversations give a lot of in depth, um, in depth into their motivations, um, what they are expected to do, and the goals at the end of it. 
And I think that every single short, I think that the movie is made up of like several coherent short stories where in each of those short stories, um, the details of their uh, characters are created. Um, there is a beginning end, uh, beginning, middle and end to each of those scenes. Um, and the ending of the scenes are never what you expect would play out. So there's a level, there's a level of um, uh, expectation playing. They, they play with your expectations throughout the film, um, and I think that Quentin Tarantino did a good job of <clears throat> for every single short story they created, building suspense within each of those short stories, telling a story uh, that actually is interesting uh, within that period of time, and getting to an end that defies your expectation while moving the story along. Um, I I think that the music was great. I think that the acting was great. I think that in many scenes, the level of suspense was pretty good to the point where you actually felt some sense of dread. So, I, I know, I, I think this movie is a bingo. Um, I think this movie is quite good. Um, and I think that Quentin Tarantino made one of his really good films in this one. So, I I really feel strongly that this movie should be on the list. Huh. Okay. So I think inconsistency. One example I have there is uh, Christoph Waltz. Um. Apparently, is able to speak German, obviously, like ex- beautifully, fluently, because he's German. Uh, but then French and Italian, he's incredibly fluent and able to to communicate quickly but then all of a sudden his english is not not that great and then he has to add to ask you know if that's a bingo or just bingo is correct and like he's he's not nailing like a lot of the thing so i think like that's part of the the inconsistency and kind of the, the weirdness of tonality of this where uh there there's tension set up but then you have this weird comedy thing and it's played for laughs. Um, but on the character level, I feel like that doesn't make a lot of sense for him because he's excelling in all the other places. And it's used because he's so so, um, so good at what he does. It's it's used for tension, right? Like the, uh, oh, you'll, you'll just uh, pose as Italian filmmakers. You, you don't speak French or German or, you know he's all of a sudden capable to just rattle on Italian, right? And fast and, and correct and, and all that. Um, but English is a, is a weakness that seemed a little weird. Um, and to think we, in all the, the tension building scenes, we, we have this where there's tension, but then it's broken up by comedy. And I guess I kind of get why, because you need to, to, to use the pressure valve a little bit to give people some room, but it just feels so wrong. Um, like the, the the other big tension scene is in the bar in the in the cellar bar, and um, where you have the this game, or you have the the drunken soldier with his his kid uh, celebrating his the birth of his child, and there's a lot of comedy around that. Um, and that is weird because I think the the way the tension is built and the, the way the tension is putting to the to the extreme with the finger pointing with the finger 
show of hands um is is good but then it's being cheapened by the comedy um so that's kind of my main my main problem here i think the the stylistic devices that tarantino uses in this are just kind of creating a little bit of a mess because i think there is uh there's a lot there you could convey with just a constant dread and threat level um without breaking it down with weird stupid humor i think you you have some interesting points um that you've brought up and i think that in in some ways you 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 make you make a fair point but i also want to say that <clears throat> i also want to state specifically about this is that those scenes i mean we've gone through some films where we've talked about the fact that we don't get to know some characters well enough i mean the last movie we reviewed was aliens and in that one we were saying hey we never got to experience any of the we never got to understand what the motivations of some of the characters were. Like, the scene with the dad who just gave birth, um, that created a motivation at the very end of the scene where, you know, he was saying, hey, I'm going to stand off here. Uh, I My son just, I just gave birth to my son, so I'm going to let you go. Um, so that conversation was useful at the very end of it because during the pseudo mexican standoff um you know they convinced him to put his gun down because he just had a kid something he brought up earlier in the conversation and what you called you know what you just said was like humor 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 which kind of took you out of it but i feel like that was set up so that when that particular conversation came up it flowed so i kind of disagree with the idea that you know creating this I think that one of the things that Quentin Tarantino does very well and also doesn't that also could be to the detriment of his films is that they go into um <clears throat> they go into like long diatribes and long conversations about about things that may feel like they are not purposeful to the film. But I felt like this one paid off. I felt like this one paid off and I felt like a lot of the conversations were very useful. Um, to where the direction of the story went. So in that sense, I kind of disagree with the fact that, you know, the movie had strong, long diatribes that took you out of it without bringing you to a satisfactory conclusion. I, I have another example of where, sure. it's in, where it's inconsistent. It's the uh, introduction to some of the bastards. Um, mm -hmm. We get the the nickname and then the little clip kind of going back into who they are but we don't get that for all the main people and instead for one person who who will effectively join the bastards the um fastbender character mm -hmm. um, granted he he is not part of them yet but we get this weird um scene where he's meeting mike myers and um, that other character, which I suppose was to be Winston Churchill, and it's in this gigantic board, like gigantic room, <laughs> and mm. it, it just takes its time. And it, I think, a similar treatment for his characters with like, why is he the person that's being sent to do this from from the British side? Um, with kind of a, you know, he's getting a nickname or his name, um, 
probably would have streamlined a lot of things a little bit. And then um, I think we were missing a similar one for Brad Pitt uh, to set that up and to set him up. And and also the other um, bastards that will be important for the finale. Um, so it's just kind of inconsistent. Why why is why are those two getting that special treatment? Um, you know, it's 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 just it's kind of a sleight of hand what this movie is doing. It's very slick, mm. but it's like I said, it's it's kind of inconsistent. It's inconsistent in in the way the characters are written. It's inconsistent in the way the characters are introduced, and. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of a kind of a problem. I I also don't like we get asked it's asked multiple times, but uh, how did you get the movie theater? Is that a lie or is that true? Um you would think somebody who th- 3 years ago fled from from being killed uh to get to Paris to own a movie theater um that that seems wild. Um, okay. but you know it's not explained so we just have to take it at face value um, but I would think that raises multiple questions too <laughs> uh, especially around like the authorities that are run like I said it's just a lot of kind of inconsistencies that we just kind of accept and it's kind of slick in that that it's mm. like okay we're we're just moving on and it's it, like it's it's cool it's a cool movie right? but it's it's lacking something it's lacking consistency. I mean, I think that there, I, okay. So we talked a little bit about the things that you said, you know, um, that at the very beginning, there were scenes that some characters were introduced and some characters were not introduced. I mean, one of the things that we noticed at the very end is that a lot of the characters that were introduced were used uh, later in the film. Um for example, the character of Stiglitz was used um, in the bar scene. And I think that what they were talking about was they needed to establish the character of Stiglitz because when the German soldier was hitting him, like tapping him on the shoulder, you could feel his the tension in him rise. Given the, the interest of what we already know about the character, we know how volatile he can be. So all of that created tension. Um, and I think that that provided value to the film. Now, the character of Adorel, I mean, you're right. They didn't give us a background to who he is. But I think that his character is pretty straightforward. There was nothing that wanted, that we needed to know outside of what we saw that gave this character some context. He told us his whole motivation in the very beginning, the first scene where we meet him, where he's addressing his soldiers and telling them exactly what he wants. He wants his scalps and he's going to get his scalps. So, you know, I think that Quentin Tarantino does a lot to establish character. And I think for the characters that, um, that that he doesn't establish, we know there is a reason for it. You also brought up the inconsistent with, inconsistency with English. And I have to say, English is a very difficult language. Um, I think that, you know, German, Spanish, Italian, uh, easier languages to learn because they have strict rules that you have to follow. Uh, English has no rules 
uh, <laughs> has <laughs> and all the rules are very inconsistent. So for somebody who learns comes coming from a very strict set of rules to a non-strict set of rules, I can see why that's a bingo could be a thing. Okay. Um, so I also want to I also want to establish that we don't know if he can speak English properly or if he's using this as a technique to win them over. Because one of the things that we've established in this film is that that character provides people with what they feel they need to hear at that very time. And I can give you an example. At the very beginning of the film, when he was speaking to um, the lady, uh, when he was speaking to the the, the milk, uh, the farmer, at the very beginning, he said that, you know, people um, have given him a name and he likes it because that name has true to it because he loves his job. But when he was speaking with Colonel Alderain, he said, people have given him a name and that sometimes these names are caricatures of who they are. And in reality, it's not a representation of who he is. So he gave two different stories to two different people. And I, I, you, we cannot for at any point establish the fact that, you know, maybe he's lying. Maybe he does know how to speak English very well, but he's, uh, he's lying to the characters that we were watching. So I wanted to just leave that as a possibility um, while we have this conversation. Hmm. I mean, English uh, is a, is a difficult language. I don't fully buy this. And as a, you know, English major and (laughs) um, a person who taught people English, I, uh, I politely disagree. (laughs) like in the in the context of italian and spanish uh, not italian and french uh, i think french is is vastly more complicated um but i don't know i'm i'm not entirely convinced that he is christophals in this case he is such a mastermind that he is able to use language as a way to to draw you in as as well he's also like totally he switches very quickly right he's he's doing the that's a bingo and you know you gotta blah 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 and then he switches to to super serious and and like this back and forth so it's kind of questionable if he's using it as a technique or not but it's it's just like i said it's it's a little inconsistent that's a problem and i think it's there's one scene as well where it's I think intentionally kept ambiguous, but it's a little challenging there too. It's when he meets um, the cinema lady at the at the bar or at the restaurant, and he orders milk for her. Do we know that he knows that she is the one? And because it's obviously a callback to the beginning. But if he does, why doesn't he do anything against her? Or if he does, why? isn't he on high alert at the movie premiere and says anything uh, because ordering milk is such a freaking random thing. Right. So, so either it's obviously a show and tell of like, I know who you are, but then his actions after it don't really make a lot of sense. 
or it's random, but then it's the most random choice of of all, right? And that's that's just it just feels like um a way to manipulate you because it's like oh he's onto her but neither option afterwards makes sense for him so i'm i'm just questioning like like what is this all about and again it's kind of inconsistent right because we've seen him do everything very methodically like in the beginning in the barn he sets up his little writing station. Super methodical. Everything is kind of separate in its own place. He, he fills his fountain pen. Everything is just very structured and organized, right? So so we, we know he's somebody who who is very meticulous and methodical. But if we continue this, he he gets messy there. And it's, it's just question, like I'm questioning why. Because I would think somebody like him would not get that messy in an environment that is as high profile because another thing that happens in that scene is we completely forgot who is sitting with on that table right he's sitting with uh he is sitting with a minister of propaganda uh what's his name again right so he's right there and daniel brud is right there as well but we just completely focus on that interaction and again he's doing that milk thing and it's like why is he doing that he's onto her but nothing afterwards is telling us that he's really onto her because at the premiere he keys off on on Brad Pitt and um and Diana Kruger's characters and not the 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 theater lady so what's the milk all about <laughs> right so it, it it's these things where i'm like i don't fully get it like it doesn't make sense if if the only reason is to keep us in, he has her figured out, but not really. That's kind of a problem too. It's kind of this weird, like, what are we doing here? And that's where I was left a lot in this film. I think that I would say that, you know, there is a lot of precedence to that. I mean, I, I get what you're trying to say, but I also think that <clears throat> he plays around with his victims throughout the film from the very beginning where he sits down with the guy talks about how lovely the milk is, talks about how he needed to get all that information out. Um, he toys with every single victim he had. When he started speaking Italian to the Americans or the Canadians, um, and those people were like, say your name. It's a bit the bongo bongo. And everybody was saying, <laughs> you know, they're trying to force the Italian out. Um and uh, he knew at that particular point who they were, but he still allowed them to sit. And then he played his most diabolical card, which is to try to manipulate his way out. Um, I felt like that was inconsistent incons with his character. I mean, the conversation we had with the female actress, the actress was another point that I felt like was enough to prove that this is the kind of thing he likes to do. He just likes to toy with people. Um, and then when he needs to strike, he strikes and he strikes very hard. So I think that is consistent with his character, unfortunately, at least in my opinion. I thought I thought his character was very well realized. And it probably is one of the most diabolical um, bad guys we've had in movies for a long time because you can see how dangerous he is. Hmm. All right. 
Well, that's all I have. Happy to go to the sidebar. The sidebar. Sidebar. Overruled. Sidebar. Guilty. Speculation. Hearsay. Bailiff. Briefcase. Disregard. In my chamber. Stop beaver on the witness. Arrest. We could totally be lawyers. So yeah, obviously this is a great movie. Okay. Right? <laughs> like, it, it is a great movie. I, I still stand by it. And there are little things where you can be nitpicky, but you can also just be like, it's a Tarantino thing, whatever. Right? Uh, I, I feel like... Unlike a lot of Tarantino movies, in this one, he's not doing the endless monologues as much mm-hmm. that are just about nothing. Like, everything is very carefully constructed here. Uh, especially with Christoph Waltz, because he's, he's again, he's so meticulous and he's so careful in how he communicates mm. that I think the, the, that English thing is just a little bugging me a little bit because I would think he's better than that because he is such a straight character mm. <laughs> and so yeah. careful um but again we needed to lighten the mood a little bit so we're doing that's a bingo <laughs> uh, and it's funny yes but it's just a little weird for that character in my opinion um what i think this where this movie is just shining is detention like that is spectacular <laughs> the the tension that is established and how um how we feel and kind of hope and then get get a little reprieve like especially in the in the cellar bar where we have like they they've managed to get through that table of soldiers playing their game and we feel like okay finally they get to a place and then and then it goes right and then as somebody who speaks german um Fassbender is is really good, but he does have a little bit of a weird accent that here and there he polishes up, and he sounds very convincing. But there are a couple of things with the way he messes up, and and that's exactly you know where it's, it gets a little funky. Because was it three finger thing a real thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and again, like the acting is fantastic there too of the the, the German actor uh, August Diel, I think is his name. Uh, also so reserved and polished, right? And he's he's kind of a mini Christophals in this um, mm. in this scene, right? Where it's it's just so meticulous. And he like he he's like I'm. It's fishy, but I, I just need to get Don't them on know. the hook. Yeah. Right. And then he gets them, and that's uh, that's yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> um, and I also think this is the movie that that brought. Christoph Waltz and Daniel Brühl on the international film map. Right? I, I, like before this, they were they were big in Germany, but but not internationally. But after this, like they're showing up all over the place, yeah. and that's that's quite something. That's Basi- yeah. Go ahead. It was bu- it was basically the main stuff for the next um, Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah. You know, right? Christoph Waltz uh, was in Django, right? Django and Django, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, Daniel Brühl is in a lot of films too these days that that are U.S. films. But uh, so Marvel, right? Yeah, yeah, right. He's in the Marvel franchise, so so that's cool. Right? Like to to see German actors make it, you know, to the, the big leagues and not just in mm. AAA. So this has a lot going for it. I think it's it's. It is funny, it's brutal, but it's it's very well done. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that outside of the fact that there is a little bit of a law 
in between the love story between um the love story for the German and the French was never meant to be, but it felt like it dragged on. I think that the only point of that whole thing was Christoph Waltz interviewing her in front of Goebbels. Um, I think that all of that led to that particular scene. Um, and I think that that was, and I think that that scene, after he finished talking with her and he stabbed the 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 cake and he leaves and she exhales, I could feel the tension leaving the room. She acted that very well. But I felt like that story dragged on for a while um, till that very point, and then the tension just riled up again. And I think that's where I always say, like, the Quentin Tarantino, it feels like five short stories where, um, you know, the love story starts and it's like, I don't want to love you. You're my enemy. How many people did you kill? Uh, and then it ends brutally uh, being, you know, inve- investigated by, by the person who killed your whole family. So I, I, I think that, you know, effectively, like some of those things do drag on, but the effectiveness of those scenes, um, you know, like, you know, the interesting thing that I'd already forgotten about that whole love story. I remember the introduction of the um, the glorious bastards i remember the very first scene who could forget that i remember what happens at the end i I remember what happens um as they set up all the escapades between all of that stuff uh when they try to go in and kill hitler but i never remember the love scene existed in the film i even remember the three fingers i remember that but i i never remembered that there was a love story that was uh, unrequest, unrequited love in between this film. So I think that kind of shows how forgettable that part of the film is. For sure. And I think if, if, they, had, if they had taken that out, the movie would have been a little bit tighter um, because it opens a lot of plot holes. Like, how did she get enough money to buy a movie theater? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, she's changed her whole personality, her whole identity. You know, how did that, all of that happen? It brings up a lot of questions. So I can see where that whole part of it reveals a plot hole. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 my take on it, too. Yeah, um, I agree. <clears throat> that's, that's the weakest link of this. Um, <clears throat> because... It's only there to be able to move the theater location to the smaller theater, mm. right? And for her to have agency. But I think you could have accomplished that by her just simply working at the Roxy. Exactly. I, I think that you would have been able to achieve the same thing yeah. with her. And, you know, what if she worked there and Christoph Waltz's character comes in and he's interviewing everybody, the staff, and then he interviews her asks for milk for her, do you like milk or something like that? Just a throwback. And I think it would have been quite as effective as yeah. that whole love scene. Right. What 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 you were saying about the integration of her um and how the tension is relieved with her kind of exhaling. Yeah. I agree. But again the problem is that she's still sitting at the table with Daniel Brühl and and the like all the other bigwigs, right? So it's yeah. like <laughs> If if and we were just completely shutting them out, 
they're mm-hmm. they're no longer there mm-hmm. but but they are true right so it's like okay that situation is over but in reality like <laughs> just imagine like somebody has a conversation there right and and like then one of the people gets up and then that other part that other person's just like <sighs> like fuck this wasn't that right so, yeah, yeah, yeah so it's like what is wrong with you <laughs> um, so true while it it works and it draws you in, like that whole conversation just draws you in and it is so masterful, mm-hmm. the framing of it is lost. Yeah. And that that makes it, again, it's it's kind of inconsistent. But you let it fly yeah. because it just kind of keeps engaging you. Yeah. Right. I agree. And I think that this is, this is a testament to the strength of a Quentin Tarantino dialogue. Yep. which can range from the most interesting theme to the most obnoxious conversations you can have, but it keeps you engaged. Yeah. And I, I appreciate the multi-language, um, multi-languageness, I guess, of this film. Um, and that he's, that he's able to translate his, his very sharp dialogues into these mm-hmm. other languages too. Uh, it's not easy. Because other languages flow differently, and and so and and again, it's when he switches to Italian, it's always the question of like, does he fully, does he immediately not buy what what they're selling? So he's just bombarding them with fast Italian, that still makes sense, or not, right? So always this ambiguity about him is fascinating in a way, and it's so so well acted. But it's also building these these anachronisms about him in a way. So, um, yeah, kind of fascinating, fascinating take, I guess, on on mm. like acting of a character. It's it's a great example of what a great actor can do. I agree, and I don't for one minute believe that he believed the way Italian. I also want to point out that at the very beginning of the film, too, the use of language was very prominent because. He switched to English. He never at any point in that whole conversation acted like English was difficult for him, right? Hmm, yeah. The only time he acted like English was difficult was when he was speaking to the Americans, and he could have just used that as a trick to make him feel more endearing. Um, and I think that's what he did, because when they switched to Italian English, they had a long conversation in English, and the reason why they switched to English was because he knew there were people in the in in under the floor beds under the floor um and he knew they didn't speak english so he wanted to keep their conversations um hidden from the people who were hiding so i think it was brilliant um and i think that it was really good use of language to, to solve a particular problem but i also think that a lot of those things that he does are very intentional and he does it to achieve something. So I am 100% sure that, you know, that conversation he had with Colonel de la, uh, de Aldo Rain was uh, manufactured because he wanted a solution to it. And what he didn't expect was that Aldo Rain would carve a swastika into his, into his skull yeah. uh, because he didn't want to ever have him remove his Nazi uniform. So I, I I really like this film. It's not my favorite Quentin Tarantino film. 
I mean, I watched Kill Bill recently. Um, and Kill Bill Volume 1 ranks up there as like more grotesque, but also more engaging because it's fast action. Um, and then Kill Bill 2 is the whole dialogue part of it. Uh, and I think that it's Kill Bill. Well, why am I talking about Kill Bill? Uh, but I basically wanted to just talk about a pattern that he always has in his films. He has high pace action at the beginning, which was, you know, the tension building in this movie about are dead Jews in this house and high piece action at the very end, you know, was the explosions, but somewhere in between the long conversations where nothing happens, where you just have to sit and just appreciate his writing. Um, and he has this in all the films he has, you know, so this follows the Quentin Tarantino formula in some senses. Um, and, uh, in, in that way, it's not unexpected, but I think that it's probably one of, it's probably is my top four Quentin Tarantino films. All right. Not my best. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It, it is one of the, the great movies of his, I think, but um, I'm not sure if it's the best. I don't know. Um, the next movie on the list, we wouldn't carve swastikas into people's foreheads, but we would carve bats. It's the I was dark where that was going. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Dark Knight Rises. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. That so, works. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Um, but until then, record people find us. Uh, they can find us on Movie Mistrial on Instagram, Facebook, and on X. You can find us at Movie Mistrial, or you can send us an email on uh, contact at moviemistrial.com. All right, that's it. Here you for the next one. All right. Well, you guys have a good rest of your week. Yeah. <laughs>